This is episode number eight titled Healer, Heal Thyself with Amy Zukreski-Clark, MA, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist on the Health and Wellness Encinitas Podcast. This is Health and Wellness Encinitas. I'm Lisa Thorpe with Thorpe Institute of Integrated Medicine and Intel Bio. And today I have Amy Zakruski Clark. Mm -hmm. Le Zakruski. Yes, <laughs> Clark. <laughs> As you have it on Facebook, which I love. Uh, I love your sense of humor. So I'm going to go ahead and let you tell our guests um, who you are, what you do, and, and then we can delve in because there's so much. I'm really excited to talk about it all. Yes. I am licensed as a marriage and family therapist, um, but I definitely have a unique approach. While I was trying to earn money to get through my master's program, I tripped and fell into a massage program at a place called the Body Mind College. And um, I was there just to learn massage. That's it. But <laughs> I ended up staying for about four years and um, gained the holistic side and then continued to be an apprentice under my teacher, Dr. Barry Green and then eventually transferred into a holistic psychology program, of which I'm in my dissertation right now. So that's my approach. It's more integrated. Definitely want to um, have more of the traditional with an integration of the holistics involved. And is it Dr. Green that, that you learned the five stages of healing yes. from? Mm -hmm. I saw that on your website. You could share a little bit about those stages. Um, definitely. Um, one of the main things I learned from being an apprentice of Dr. Green was releasing the past. And um, I love the philosophy of Body Mind College because it's heal or heal thyself. Right. And that's still a philosophy that I live by. And there isn't anything that I will do with my clients that I haven't practiced myself. Um, and so... Uh, we had to go through our own healing process, and especially it was just four of us um, we were, when we were apprentices for him, and it was intense. It was intense. Like, he, would, he was tough on us in an amazing way, and I loved every just uncomfortable moment of it, um, but that's where we went through the five stages ourselves, and it usually lasts about um, 10 months to a year, depending upon the person. And, you know, the first stage is um, to gain awareness. And what I learned with um, the, just the more talk therapy is that we would get stuck in awareness. And so the client would be like a balloon. You right. know, they'd be a big head. Their head would be so filled with awareness, but the movement needed to happen. And so with the other stages, with um, um, acceptance and commitment of what's happening and then uh, releasing and replacing, and then integration, all of it, it brings everything full circle with the with the overall goal for the person to be able to fly on their own. Great. And, and so they were, again, awareness, and then what was the next? Um, acceptance and commitment. Acceptance and commitment. And and so is this something that you use typically, because I know you do, um, you, you work with families, you work with children, you work, so is this something that you see that you work with, with most of your clients? Definitely. And I would say that my, my, my specialty is working with adults um, in all types of relationships, whether they're the parents of the children that they're bringing in um, or couples, 
And the overall intention for everyone is to gain um, a sense of empowerment from the inside out. And I'm, I'm, that's why I called my blog The Healing Vigilante, because I am like the accountability, accountability police. Like all of my friends will say, oh, you got to hold yourself accountable. It's kind of a running I, joke. I'm really glad that you brought this up already. <laughs> I, have it, I have it on my notes. Accountability, I think, is probably one of the most powerful things you can instill in somebody. And on a healing journey, particularly, it's a key. It's a key point. Definitely. And... And I'm curious at what point now you you start you did a a uh, for quite a while you worked in the women's prisons. Mm-hmm. I worked with a specifically um, a women's prison program right in Kearney Mesa, and I'm so sad that it closed because it was really powerful what they were doing. Um, I was only an intern there at that point, but I became the lead therapist um, for wow, a good portion, yeah. um, and um, that. That really is what the whole blog was driven by at first, was my experiences there. Um, Women were there with their children, um, which was very unique. And um, I found that really powerful for me because I got to kind of witness what it looks like when a person has, um, you know, some unhealthy learnings. I call them weeds planted in their garden. And then how they're transferring those weeds and projecting them onto their children. Because if it's not resolved, it's projected. (laughs) Guaranteed. So it all starts with that awareness of yes. what, and what would be an example of a of a weed? Okay, so um, with the prison women, they all kind of had the same weed. Like a lot of the things that are going to come out eventually in my blog, and also I created a pilot. I wrote a pilot that hopefully will get picked up one day. Cool. Are some of the things that I did as a therapist that nobody knows about, and it's because. Um, <laughs> It's because I looked at the way that the administration was being run and I would stand up for myself or stand up to what they were doing and I would literally be told to sit down and shut up. So I just started doing things on my own. So I started incorporating the holistic and it was so exciting to do it into my grief and loss groups into the so and these are so these are group group sessions that you were holding in the prison with yes. women in prison and and so what you're talking about yes. integrating the the mind body will you give us an example yes so I'll t- give you an example of a weed so what I would do with um one of the things we do with the releasing of the past is you have that the person identify their top ten worst weeds for their from their um, maternal or um, female. Gotcha. Learning and yeah, what went paternal. wrong with mom? Exactly, and dad. <laughs> and what went wrong with dad? Or the mother and father figures. And so what I did is I had the prisoners or the inmates. Um, I ended up calling them clients. Each choose their top five worst learnings, and and then I had them do um, integrative work. So they would be sitting there, like almost all of them, especially like someone who ends up addicted to drugs or alcohol, because all the women there were there for drug-related crimes. Which is a disease, and exactly. they're basically imprisoned because they have a disease. Yes, and so they were given in lieu of like a three to five year sentence, a year to rehabilitate with their children. I mean, it's so powerful what they were doing. Um, but 
uh, the majority of them definitely learned at some point that they weren't lovable or they weren't good enough. So when it came to that point where they were feeling uh, insecure or really vulnerable in a moment, rather than, you know, stand up for themselves and try to um, gain a sense of inner power, they tried to avoid the situation or numb out. And that's where the drugs and alcohol came in. Sure. So not all the women were really excited about participating, but the ones that did, I would have them come because I would do a group of 25 women at a time. I'd have them come to the center of the group one at a time, and I'd put pillows in front of them, and we'd hit those weeds out. Nice. And the whole process is that you want to pull the weed and then plant the flower, which a lot of um, therapies or you know approaches will have you plant the flower over the weed or have you try to um, mow the weeds. Right. But you know anyone that does any type of gardening or even a little bit knows that you have to pull a weed by the root. Right. And so by doing it in the body with the body mind mechanisms, it is definitely more intense. It definitely supports you need, with you need yeah. to get back into that emotion that was happening when it happened to help release it. Yes. Yeah. And so that would be the intention is to identify those top 10 uh, top 5 weeds and then um, do the body mind um, approaches different tools to help them to pull the weed and plant the flower. So remove the unhealthy or resolve the unhealthy conflict and bring in the flower or the positive, healthy thinking. So how did you become the, how did you start your podcast? Um, my blog. Or your blog, right? yes. sorry. The podcast oh, is, is podcast. coming. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I was lucky because I had a friend that um, was working with the Huffington Post and he really believes in my pilot which is called Boundaries. And um, he was so inspired by it. And, you know, he did, he still is inspired by it. And so he really helped me. He wants to help me to get the story out to like get more um, for people to read more of what I write and get a following of some kind, hopefully. And um, it kind of came, turned into something else because at first it was just supposed to be about my experiences at the prison and then writing about what I learned and like the life lessons and like how I grew. But then it turned into a whole other animal because I started to like feel myself, you know, have moments throughout the day or throughout the week where I felt inspired or frustrated. So same thing. <laughs> and um, I was like, wow, I have a platform now that I can write and it will be published and possibly anybody in the world can read it. And so I started writing more and more about, and all of it kind of comes down to the same thing, which is here's an issue that maybe you can relate to and here's a way that you can be accountable and take care of yourself. Because those are kind of my things. The accountability. And, and self-care. And self-care. Mm -hmm. So your most recent uh, post on the Huffington Post, what was it about? That was about Red Ribbon Week. Oh, I saw this one. It had the great video. The principal created yes. a, a, actually did a video of your rap. Yes, that was very impressive. It was impressive. awesome. <laughs> the school is amazing, and I'm really looking forward to being part of the community. But it did. It was spawned through some frustration because um, I did the Red Ribbon Week single-handedly, and that's a hard thing to do. Jason, my husband, he helped me to cut all of the ribbons, so over about 800 ribbons. But it, I hung the majority of them up. I hung, not the majority, actually. I hung about 300 ribbons around campus one by one. I made the signs. I 
you know, uh, created the wrap. I, I got this little animal, that a little red hawk, because we're the hawks. I got a red hawk, and we named him Red Ribbon Randy. And, nice. you know, I had a lot of different ideas. But the challenge was is that I asked for volunteers. And of he, the principal put the announcement out, and of the 600-plus um, students, I got about four responses. Whoa. And they could only give me like an hour here and there, which wasn't really helpful. Like, I mean, I appreciate that, of course, and um, but it wasn't really what was needed. And then I stood out in front of the school the day that I wrote the article, which inspired the article. Yes. And um, I wanted people to just write on red ribbons, you know, a healthy message for their child so I could make a chain link. Sounds wonderful, right? Who wouldn't want that? Right. And I was going to hang it. I was visualizing 600 chain links that I could go, do across all the fence. And I got about 20. People avoided my eye contact. Like, they didn't want to make time for it. And I started, like, resorting to um, my humor. So, like, um, this one woman, she really got it because she was walking by. And I said, oh, you know, make a nice, healthy message for Red Ribbon Week for your child. Three people ignored me. Um, it'll really help them to make healthy choices, ignored me. And then I said, your child won't do crack oh, if you a- write a message. And she turned around and started laughing. She's like, oh, you got me on that one. <laughs> you know, and I said, and it's, but it did definitely was that moment of like, who even of all of these people were handing out ribbons, were handing out red bracelets. Um, schools all over the United States are doing this. They yes. did it when we were kids. It's been around since 1980. Yeah. And no one knows what it is. We seem to have a pretty mobilized group of parents, and I think that it also comes from the staff and faculty are all pretty much on board in mobilizing things like Red Ribbon Week. Mm-hmm. So I know like everything that's going on Red Ribbon Week, it gets back to that accountability, yeah. right? Like the teacher takes accountability, making sure all the parents are informed, yes. and then it comes home with the homework, so we we know we've got to step up and, and do our wonderful. part. And that's yeah. exactly what I would love to see yeah. throughout, like, is the reinforcement. And, like, that's definitely something that I learned all over the years and everything is keep it simple and use repetition and reinforcement. Practice repetition, simplicity. And those that's the three things. Those are my three philosophies in life. They're my three philosophies in how I counsel. So... so- on a on a weekly basis, you're you're seeing um, patients, and you're writing your your um, your blog, but you also have a found is it a foundation or a nonprofit? The No Stress Foundation is I have two actually. Okay. And so unfortunately, the No Stress Foundation is more non. It's more passive right now. So like two times a year, I'll do um, thirty days of stress care. Um, I ha- just haven't been able to dedicate the time I want to, but. That is something that I'm really inspired by, and it was created because um, I was just um, doing some random research and found that stress is one of the leading is linked to the five leading causes of death. Right, and so it definitely it's still something that the that the um, community doesn't really acknowledge. People kind of minimize stress. They think oh, of it like, oh, we I'm all, just it's normal. We, we've we've right. come to accept it as normal, and it's really not. We're really meant to live pretty peaceful, harm, harm, yes. harmonic, very, you know, be in harmony. And uh, I, and you're right. We've come to accept that stress is is normal, and and it is leading to a lot of yes. death and illness and 
pain and suffering that's unnecessary. So I'm so glad that you're addressing it. And so what what do you what do you offer for people to learn about how to handle stress or reduce stress? The great thing about the No Stress Foundation is that while we were building it, um, um, Cat Green and Berry Green helped to create three really solid um, tools to be used. First was the stress relief breath. And next, the other was um, chair yoga sequence, it, and the other was reality awareness. I use all three of those still. I implement them. And actually, for my dissertation, what I'm doing is is I'm doing two separate groups um, of individuals who have difficulty with conflict, who have high conflict in their life. And one group is going to be typical psychoeducation. I'm going to teach them communication skills, you know, um, about some of the, the typical challenges and tools that are taught in marriage and family therapy. And the other group is going to be strictly using those three tools. And there's an underlying goal behind that, which is, um, you know, obviously... To show to, efficacy. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's where we're having a little bit of challenge is that we had many people interested in it, but there are a lot of people, like, because we, we, um, we have a whole corporate program that we've created that can be um, completely customized for whichever corporation it is. But the majority of the corporations, because we did a focus group, gave us the feedback, which is, can you prove this? Right. You know, there's lots of science behind it. There's science behind the stress relief breath, the science behind the chair yoga, and there's science behind reality awareness, which is very similar to um, rational self-talk, but just Mm -hmm. a little bit more powerful. Positive positive thinking, essentially. And actually just staying in reality and not going into... What I call the cage. It's whatever comes up, if it, whether it's positive or negative, let it go. Exactly. Right. There's definitely one. Um, it's Gangaji. 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 I know. I just saw her <laughs> last night at Seaside. So we're we love Gangaji. With the with reality awareness, I created a tool that I love called the Cage, and it's C A J E. That's the acronym: Criticism, Assumption, Judgment, and Evaluation, and you are no longer in reality if you're in the cage. If you're in a point of criticism or you're assuming or you're judging a situation or you're evaluating, you know, the what ifs is definitely... Anything (laughs) negative, really. And it's so funny, like I, for for my kids and John, my husband, Mm -hmm. I've literally drawn a little animal in a cage. So I love that you use this because I (laughs) use this term and we didn't even know we were using this term. But I, I say, you know, anytime you get angry or sad or you're embarrassed or shamed, uh, negative in any way you've become your animal in the cage Mm -hmm. and you're not you're only using your primitive old brain and you only really have three choices which is fight flight and freeze yes and you're not accessing your your big brain your frontal lobe and not capable of using your rational sense which is also our love and our joy and the things that feel better so so that brings me to the U-turn. Do you want to hear about the U-turn? Yes, I do. This because is a great tool. I really like that you just said fight, flight, or freeze. Um, there's definitely, there's always like new science coming up. I just started um, learning and practicing tension releasing and trauma releasing exercises, which helps to unlock those areas um, when you're frozen. Unlock the frozen areas from the past and unlock you in the present. Um, but with the U-turn, I, the TRE is one of the tools that I've added to the U-turn um, tool bucket. So um, the U-turn is definitely not something that I created. It's just something of the steps that I, I've decided to use 
in my practice. The first step is to, I used to just say breathe. And now I say either shut up and breathe (laughs) or stop what you're doing and breathe. Because working with couples... A lot of the time what's happening, or even individuals, that is they're in a, a triggered moment right. and they just can't stop themselves. And right. so that's why I've said stop what you're doing or shut up and breathe. Like just zip it yeah. and start engaging. And it helps to just get attention, right? Get the Get the consciousness to switch. Yes. A lot of people really work well with like jumping on that voice and being like, shut up. Yeah, right. And then, of course, like we're not breathing the majority of the time that we're in a a triggered moment. And so right away, you know, the breath will start to slow down the nervous system and unfreeze the potential freezing of that moment. (laughs) So first step is to stop and breathe. The second step is to ask, what am I feeling right now? And to connect to the feeling, mad, sad, glad, or scared, any denomination um, of those feelings, um, most people will go into a thought. So like, that's really something that I work a lot with clients on is training them to go to a feeling. What am I feeling? Um, And then keep it simple. Mad, sad, glad, or scared. Right. Any derivative of those words. Um, And then the third is, what am I triggered with? This is where the weeds come in. Because a lot of times, if a person cannot identify, like, in in a simple way, what they're triggered with, they kind of end up going into a stream of thoughts. So So this this really teaches people not just how to resolve things when they're in your office, but tools to go home with and change the way they're handling all of their emotional landscape. Exactly. It's meant to, because I don't like to work with clients long term. My goal is to help them to gain a regimen to take home with them, um, for them to gain the empowerment of being aware, accountable, of having a, um, a trust in themselves and their self-care and trust in the world, trust in how life is unfolding. That's ultimately the top down, like the umbrella of which everything falls underneath is trust, is helping them to develop a sense of trust within themselves, trust with how their life is unfolding, um, because underneath that, comes um empowerment accountability and a strong sense of self so all of the all of the positive feelings the love and enlightenment bliss all of those things can only happen as a result of trust yes so it is the foundation and a lot of the time we're spending with this u-turn it's important because um step three is um once you've identified um step three um what you're triggered with I always have them rate the intensity from a scale of one to 10, how intense it is, how intense is it? And then step four is what do I need to take care of myself internally? And I've created a very comprehensive um, chart that that has different tools that they can use based on the level of intensity of the trigger. And so that's why it's meant for them to take this regimen, really get connected to what works for them and go. So, so... Maybe you could give an example of a couple or a, or a client of yours who um, came in and how this has affected their life. I thought about that, and I think it's probably better that I just give you an example of someone with a condition so that I don't sacrifice anybody's confidentiality in any way. Because okay, yeah. all of my clients will listen to this, and they'll be like, she's talking about me, and I didn't give her permission. Okay. So, so, But I would like to talk about a condition that I see significantly, which is um, anxiety. Right. So I see a lot of people Who that come in. Who doesn't have anxiety right. at some time? And, you know, there's so many different definitions, but the anxiety, anxiety usually is when you're challenged with being in the present. So you're either stuck in the past and, or you're um, worried about the future. 
So, and anxiety and, de- and depression do a nice dance together. Right. Um, they usually, one usually comes hand in hand because it seems to me like first it begins with stress and then the person kind of hits a higher level of stress and they become anxious and then they hit a, a higher level of anxiety and they become depressed and have a sense of hopelessness because they can't defeat the stress or the anxiety. And so I end up like ultimately the, mo- the main goal is to get them connected to what their weeds are and then to have them really using this U-turn process. So um, I will give a vague example of a client that I had in the past. So usually a client will come in. I have a wheel that I use, and the wheel is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and social. I have it drawn. It's on a dry erase board in my office. And usually a client will come in with something social, physical, or mental. But all the work is done in the emotional and the spiritual, and it takes care of those three. So they'll come in, like, for example, this woman came in years ago, and she had continuous failed relationships, continuous, like never, she was about 42 years old, never had a a successful relationship or a fulfilling one, and constantly in abusive relationships. So right away, I want to understand her story. I want to get to know what did she learn in her past movie. you'll hear like I definitely use movies a lot and that's definitely something I learned from Dr. Barry Green greatest technique I've ever learned is watching the movie because it helps you to really stay present and watch the clients like they're right there in front of you and being really with them in that moment versus having my mind go to well maybe I should try this or maybe I should try that or maybe they're doing this because of this really moves away from analysis and into just being present with the client So I think that's probably, if I could say one of my biggest gifts as a therapist is I'm really present with them. That's powerful. With the the anxiety, um, whatever's left over, because we don't really care what's in their past movie that isn't in their present movie. And so once we identify what those weeds are, and some of her weeds were definitely um, with her history, and I won't get into too much detail, but... um, um, she came from a history where there was a lot of emotional and some physical abuse, mostly emotional. I want to share with you something that's really important. Her emotional abuse, if you were maybe watching the movie of her life, most people might not even say, they might even notice it. But it's that her father was extremely critical. Right. Like there was a lot of always or never, a lot of like, tweaking of what she's done a lot of expectation where she got to where it ended up that she learned don't ever make a mistake you're never going to be good enough these are some weeds that i'm identifying um be perfect you'll never be loved like things like that and all it wasn't because he was standing there in an overt way and saying you're unlovable and there's something wrong with you it was more silent you know where or just kind of subtle so if she wasn't doing things in a perfect way, um, he would be very critical of her. And so... It's painful and erosive over time. It is. Yeah. And so come into... Some, now, so the brain development is a... Pro, you know, there's always there's always shifting the numbers, but from about zero to three, 85% developed, and then three to five, possibly seven, the rest of the brain develops. Right. And so if you can imagine she's coming to me at age 42... That means that she's had, you know, 35 plus years of this learning. And repeating those patterns and still feeling that same feeling. Yes. So when we do those five stages during the release and replace part, they are literally using their body, mind, and heart and voice 
to take back their power from wow. those weeds, to pull the weeds and then plant the flowers. She can't sit in the mirror and say, I am good enough, I am good enough, or like journal that if she has weeds, because there's no space for it, she's already full. Right. And so that's why she has to empty out and pull those weeds before she can plant those flowers of, I am good enough, I'm perfect and acceptable as I am. So with this client, we went through the whole process, and a lot of it was the U-turn. The U-turn is still part of her daily life, because I keep in touch with all of my clients. I check in probably once or twice a year just to check in, and if they're not, if they're needing some a reboot, they come back in, and I can't tell you how pleasing it is to see where they are and how easy they get back into the process of making the U-turn. And so that's the whole point is to spend that time releasing and replacing to kind of do the bulk of the weeding. And then the rest is just like making sure that you do it in a proactive way. And I I focus a lot on proactive self-care, which will be my wellness tip at the end. So I love it. Well, and I'd like to interject and just say if there's um, anyone listening that has questions for Amy uh, or for uh, any of us here at at Health and Wellness Encinitas, you can call in. We have a comment line at 206-600-2475. So if you have any comments or questions, please call 206-600-2475. 2475. And of course, you can always go to the website and subscribe for free. You can be listening to us and never miss any show on your iPhone or your Android. And we would love to have you as one of our subscribers. So I I would like to know, Amy, tell me one defining moment in your life. Oh my gosh. I can definitely share with you one that goes way, way back. Um, It's changed my life, and I actually um, visualize myself sharing this with you, so it's interesting that it's coming up. Um, When I was 13, I was kind of deciding, I was seventh grader, deciding between whether I was going to be a leader or a follower, and there was a group of pretty strong, popular girls. Um, That was when I was still looking kind of like a boy. (laughs) I can't can't imagine that. You're beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. So... um, I followed them and like there was, I played sports outside of school with this one girl in particular. Her name was um, Arlene and um, I really liked her, um, but she was really like on the nerdy side in school, but I played softball with her and some soccer and we were friends. But in school, I acted like she wasn't my friend. Oh. So one day we were doing these routines for gym. Every every part of, every, every year we did routines, aerobic routines. And there was only a full there was only a certain amount of outlets and um, Karen was Arlene's best friend and they got there early. They plugged in their radio and we, my little clique got there late. They bullied me. I let myself be bullied by them. And they were basically like making fun of me and telling me that if I didn't go take that, that plug spot from them, that they weren't going to be my friend anymore, like lots of stuff like that. And so I was so mad at them, but I went over and I took it out on her. And I took it out on both of them and I ripped their plug and I said, we're using this. And like, they, they were the type of girls that they wouldn't stand up for themselves. So they let me bully them after I was bullied and um, then let me have it. So the next day, Karen and Arlene were going to, I think, the mall and Arlene had stepped out to open her car door and she was hit by a motorcycle and killed. It was very sad. So um, I still get chills when I tell the story. So then fast forward to after the funeral, I think I honestly, I'm a little um, not clear on the time, but 
Karen came up to me at some point and in front of a lot of people slammed down these books that they had written, these slam books. We all did them back then, slamming each other. It was so silly, and I hope teenage girls don't do this to each other anymore. But And she basically said to me that Arlene hated me the most because I was so fake. Oh. Yeah. And so I decided from that point on, and this was around the, I can't remember when it was, but I dedicated the rest of my school year and consequently the rest of my life, I got rid of those girls and just focused my friendship with Karen. And I was really there for her. I was really there for her during some very vulnerable moments. She let me be there for her. And it changed my life. It changed my life on how I viewed relationships, on how it empowered me in a lot of ways, because I decided never again would I ever let myself be pushed around or bullied to do something I didn't want to do. It created a sense of community for me. Um, I mean, I usually don't brag about this, but it's funny, but like, I can just tell you the outcome was that I was homecoming queen and student of the year, but not because I was pretty and popular and all of that, but because for me, I like to believe because I believe I've really created a community. And you were authentic. Yeah. And you were standing fully in your own empowered. Mm -hmm. You were empowered. And it changed my life. I really feel like that's what shapes me today. That was a very defining moment. I think that that's why I do have a voice for the little people. I do want to give back to the community. Eventually, I hope that I can take funds and like that's why I have Caldwell Clark, which is our counseling center to support like the lower income with counseling. That's why I have the No Stress Foundation, um, which I hope to work with um, parents that have children with cancer. Like I really want to be a big, a positive part of my community and help the, the people that maybe can't help themselves. So. You're doing a lot of great work in the community. And I, and I just have to say, I, I always, as a working mom and a mom running businesses, I'm, I have so much honor, respect and empathy for other moms that I meet. And that's how you and I know each yes. other because we, we, our kids are around the same age. And, and I think of all the things I've done, and maybe you can relate to this, nothing has been harder than raising my own kids. <laughs> right? I, we run multiple businesses, foundations, <laughs> do all these grown-up things, but nothing's harder than being a mom. Yes. And I think it's part of that, like you said, the, the things that, um, that inspire us and are often uncomfortable. Yes. Come from mm -hmm. our, these relationships. Yes. And I'm, uh, my new article, which I'm writing, is um, the, it's a working title, but it's um, how every my deepest life lessons have been from my three-year-olds. Right. And I think I start the article with something like, you know, I appreciate Dalai Lama and Eckhart Tolle and Wayne Dwyer and everybody. <laughs> However, the, my, the, the, my biggest teachers have been my children. Absolutely. And so, the, um, you know, people can look for that. Um, coming out probably in the next couple of weeks on the Healing Vigilante Huffington Post blog. Um, but definitely, they it's been the most amazing experience of my life, really, to be a mother. And I am hungry for it. So Yay. Well, I, I love following you. I love seeing, uh, seeing you on Facebook and reading your posts on Huffington. So I'll be looking forward to it. And I'm just really appreciative of you being here today, and um, hopefully we can do this again. And I, one more thing, your number one wellness tip for our listeners, listeners and for people, the number one wellness tip that you would recommend. Okay. Before I do that, can I finish the other two steps of the U-turn? Oh, yeah. Because I feel like we, left, we may have oh, left Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Because this is the most important part. Because step four is once you, once you identify what you're triggered with is you want to be able to 
do something to take care of it. And I usually say if it's a trigger from a, of a six or above, do something releasing to let it out and move it out. Pull the weed. If it's something five and below, you can do something grounding, like settling. Usually people skip step four and go right to step five, which is what do I need to do to take care of myself externally? And that's what part of the accountability and self-care is. Everything's got to go internal first. Right. So, and that does lead to my wellness tip. <laughs> <laughs> and everything else. It's, it is, it all is an inside job, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Everything. Like to me, I know that my clients are complete. They know they're complete with me when they have developed a solid internal self-care. Right. And I can tell you, I mean, I don't know how many, I was just talking about this with some of the interns that I supervise. I think I probably have over 7,000 hours of client contact. Wow. So, and it's so wonderful to know so clearly inside of myself what my end goal is with everybody, whether they come as a couple or they come in individually or they bring their child in is for everybody who in that system to know how to take care of themselves, to know what blocks them, to know what they might be projecting on back <laughs> into their, their present life. And to me, I really have like kind of this theory in my head. I actually wrote an article called If the Whole World Were Accountable which I'm going to reprint on Huffington. I, I saw it. I hope you do. It's a great one. <laughs> um, but it's definitely like if everybody were more accountable for themselves, that we could have such a more, we could all hit a level of enlightenment that could be so much more fulfilling for us to be in the same presence of each other. So I really want to help the, the lower educated, lower income community one day do that. That's my life goal. Um, because I think it's easier for like someone like myself or someone, maybe you as well, that we have the time and space to yeah. be able to take care of ourselves and maybe spend the extra money on doing that. So You can count on me. Yay. <laughs> so my wellness tip. So I have an article on the Huffington Post. So my overall wellness tip is do something other than nothing. Yay. I don't like it when people, I'm, I'm not a fan of victims, but I do like to help victims go into it to thrive, not just right. survive, but to thrive. Um, so when people are saying, I don't know what to do, I, my answer is usually do something other than nothing. Right. Um, and if you read that article on the Huffington Post, and I think you can just Google do something other than nothing, and it comes right up. It has eight different scenarios that are common um, that people can look at with, with then some guidance on how to shift that. What you do is meet people where they are if they're in grief or they're in yes. shame, and you meet them where they are and give them the tools to get to accountability or willingness. Exactly. And then after willingness, they can get to trust. They can get to love. They can get to rational thought. They can get to the things that will bring them up and, the, and maintain that. And more importantly, actually, is to be completely okay with the lower stuff, right? Yes. Because obviously, even the, those of us that are doing great, we still have shame. We still have grief. We still have loss. We exactly. still have apathy. Or, and, and so it's just knowing how, how to let that go. Yeah, that's right? the trust. Yeah. And I really love to work with the toughest clients, to tell you the truth. Like someone who thinks that have, you know, the clients that are like, you know, contemplating suicide. You know, to me, that's the lowest point where we think, why bother? You know, um, I did write an article that they didn't publish 
did not publish <laughs> The Seven Faces of Suicide. And hope I can I can most likely reprint that anywhere I want. Yeah, but, no, I, I think that's a really, yeah. I mean, I, I went through a number of years of my life where I've felt suicidal. Mm. And a couple of things, I mean, obviously having kids changed it. But you know, because you now sure. it's That'll just like you it's, you're not, it's not about you anymore, right? Right. Um, like it or lump it, you know, you're responsible for, for other people. I, but you know, there was there's a couple things that I, for me, that I learned that really helped, and one of them was, it's okay to want to go home. Mm-hmm. Yes. It just may not be your time yet, and and to start to identify sometimes my feeling of wanting to die was just that like kind of knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt for me that there is a spiritual realm yes and i miss it yes <laughs> and yeah. that i actually need to go back into it and mm-hmm. reconnect with it and that that's part of my longing and the other thing was you know usually it's not that we really want to kill ourselves it's that we want to kill the part of ourselves right. the pain. that is suffering mm-hmm. and that and that helps to kind of clarify yes. what what's going on Definitely. Um, The one specific wellness tip that I would love to give that links with everything that we're talking about is for everybody to develop a practice, like two to three minutes a day of just checking in. Yeah. Because that's what happens is we start to go throughout our day and we forget about ourselves. We um, another article I'm writing is called um, living the admin life. Because many couples that come in to see me, many individuals, they've gotten so caught up in the logistics that they forget about self-care and like self-love. And so I would love for everybody to every day wake up in the morning and just do a quick check-in. What am I feeling? Connect to the feeling. Mad, sad, glad, or scared. And then do one thing to take care of themselves. Just one thing. Just a check-in. Breath work is such a powerful one. Yes. Oh, yes. If, so if you could powerful. do anything, the stress Just relief breathe. breath. Yeah. Exactly. And the stress relief breath is, um, it's really works well with your, with your sympathetic thing. and your parasympathetic nervous yes. systems because the inhale is sharp. And like you inhale your breath up into the throat, into the throat, and then a long sigh outwards. Yes. And so it's engaging the fight or flight sympathetic system and then engaging the parasympathetic. And so um, definitely if anybody goes to, um, I actually just reposted, um, the seven ways to let go of um, negative energy on my Healing Vigilante Facebook page. So many good, you have so <laughs> many great articles. I'm so excited for more people to find out about you and everything you're doing. And uh, so once again, it's the Healing v- Vigilante on yes. the Huffington Post. Yes. I think that's the most important thing to let people know about. And did we say your number one wellness tip? Yes, the number one wellness tip overall is to do something other than nothing and then specifically is to check in one time daily hopefully in the morning to get your day started awesome so awesome amy thank you so much for being here it's such a pleasure i um will be in touch and hopefully we'll get the girls together for a play date. definitely thanks for having me i <laughs> You're appreciate welcome. it this is lisa thorpe with thorpe institute of integrated medicine intel bio and this was health and wellness encinitas The show was produced by John Beethan and brought to you by Alkaway.com, the makers of UltraStream, working like nature to filter, alkalize, and naturally energize water, returning it to its natural, pristine state.